Hey guys, it's the final episode. <laughs> Everyone get on their feet. Get loud. <laughs> Okay, we got a lot to talk about today, and it has to do with a lot of good stuff and less good stuff. Um, so, whoops, sorry, that was really unprofessional. I'm so sorry about that. First, we're just going to start off like normal, talk about the last two teams, one of them being a champion, and uh, then talk about Manager of the Month and how the championship went in general, because it was a nail-biter. It was real close uh, in a lot of different ways, but we'll get to that. So, we're going to talk quickly and move back and talk about the Fear Boners, a team that unfortunately lost after their bye week. Um, great team. Well, you know what? We'll get to that. Their overall record to end the season, 119 wins to 91 losses and 10 uh, ties. Uh, was the second best record in the league. Uh, by pretty fair margin, next closest was me. And I was still eight wins back, which is like a good full matchup. Um, and they kicked my butt at the end of the season. So, that being said, uh, they were, if I'm not mistaken, pretty high in the pickups. They were fourth in total pickups. They ended up the season with 136, which is, like I said, fourth, um, just behind the two starting pitcher teams and a little bit behind me. Um, to talk about their overall, um, like, season type stuff and their schedule, uh, they had, uh, for especially one of the teams that ended with the best record, a pretty weak start, um... They did get a slight win against me, 5-4-1, to start the season. Um, but then tied the Vibrators and had then handed two straight losses by Tots in the show. Then followed by a 7-2-1 huge victory against Iron Dome. And that sounds amazing. Because um, you're like, oh, you know, you had some small losses, but stalemated the rest of them. And then 7-2-1. True. That is good. If he didn't fall out with a 8-2 loss to Pool Pass, so 2-8 for him. 2-7-1 to the Skankies, and 3-7 to Playboy, Playoff, Roy. Um, and that kind of put him in a bad spot, where if I'm not mistaken, around week 7, week 8, he was actually uh, pretty low in the power rings at, at that point, because handed some decent losses, record wasn't looking too good. Um, and then... Because this will be quick on the old schedule overview. Most people I do a lot more of a dive in. I'm just going to leave it at this. Longest win streak we've ever, ever seen. Uh, if I can count right now. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 straight wins. The only loss he had was in the Iron Dome, surprisingly. Iron Dome was trying to make a little comeback at that point. Um, and it was 4-5-1. So barely even lost that. And then right after that, a 6-4-1, 8-1-1 win. So, probably overall, um, the most successful team this year. Um, obviously, that changes when it comes to playoffs. You never know how it's going to go. Where Skankies was the most dominant team most of the year. 
I think Fear Bones was just the genuinely most successful. They were always racking off wins, even against Skankies. Um, especially in that in that uh, playoff run. I mean, the, the big win streak. So, Fear Boners, prominent players. Had a huge trade for Pete Alonso that helped a lot. Pete Alonso has not been sinking people's averages while almost slugging 40 homers, 95 RBIs. Not bad at all. You got Jose Ramirez, who... I definitely did not make fun of the picking remotely, but it was a little running joke that was between him or Trey Turner and who ended up being better. Trey Turner, of course, has the shortstop eligibility, but, I mean, Jose was the pick. Uh, over 100 runs and RBIs, over 35 homers, almost 30 stolen bases, and a 270 average. That's what you draft for when you draft the top-end guy, and that's what he got. Now, this one, he was going to do it anyway, but I also helped advise him to pick up Mitch Hanniger. I should have just done it myself. Whoops, because the guy is like a bona fide star. 110 runs, 100 RBIs from a pickup at, like, I believe it was right before the season started. Almost 40 homers and a 250 average. Wow. Uh, JD Martinez had a super hot start and the second half cooled off a bit, but still quietly played really well. 285 average, almost 100 RBIs, literally fell one short. Almost 30 homers, only fell two short. Uh, Joey Gallo, who is very frustrating, even for uh, being a Yankee fan, trust me, I know. But frustrating all year um, just to have as a fantasy player because there was huge spurts where he'd almost win matchups for you, but then several where he would just sink your average. But he still ended with over 90 runs and 38 homers. That's nothing to scoff at. Jonathan Scope was a huge pickup. Had an 85-85 season with 270 average. Ryan McMahon was a great late pick, 250 average with an 80-80 season. Lindor was, I'd say, the only guy that was kind of a bummer. Um, didn't end up doing that bad, and he was actually a huge part of the late season success, but most of the season was pretty uh, irrelevant. Um, then you move on to Fear Bonus pitching. Luis Castillo had probably one of the awesomest, most cool comebacks to see after just looking so beaten down and terrible. Uh, playing way under his ability for what he's been his whole career. Shot back like like a freaking cannon and ended up bringing his ERA back into the threes. I don't know if you knew what he did in earlier in the season with seven, eight ERAs that were like pretty deeply seeded into his stats. To get back in the threes is nuts. He was one of the highest pitchers, I believe, over like August. Um, super awesome. Big part of the win streak. Liam Hendricks was great, no surprise, almost 40 saves, over 100 Ks and 8 wins. Edwin Diaz ended up doing pretty good. He just should not be put in in non-save situations, but no problem. Luis Rojas is gone. Hopefully it won't happen anymore, but 32 saves. Zach Wheeler might have been just the best overall pitcher in general. Got an ace out of where did he draft him? To have a bona fide ace when you draft a guy 93rd is pretty awesome. Uh, A 270... 2.78 ERA, just about right at a flat one whip, um, which is awesome, with 250 Ks, 14 wins playing for them. Sandy Alcantara would be even better if he was just on a different team. Marcus Stroman played great. Uh, John Means, that injury is so unfortunate that he had because he was on such a roll, and when he came back, he was okay, but not near the dominance that you saw. Fremer Valdez was a great value guy he had. Wainwright was a great pickup that ended up panning out like Super good. I don't know how Wainwright, like, has even offered him to me at one time. 
um, super great. You know, he had some good, great pickups that made his team even better than what he drafted it at. Um, hitting wise, s- substituting average and stolen bases that are bottom tier. Um, third in homers is pretty nice, and middle league in RBIs. The hitting was okay. Um, had some good weeks and some bad weeks that would happen uh, from here uh, here to there, especially if you look at their win streak. Wins that were close were pitching dominant, where hitting just got like some small wins, whereas like the pitching dominated throughout the whole streak. Uh, that's with second in wins and Ks, top five in saves, and top three in error and whip. So, super strong there. Um, in general... Uh, this team earned, it easily earned their bye week that they got by beating me uh, and putting me in a pressure situation because my team was on a huge down sp- downturn. And uh, they ended up falling short as well to a team who was just playing really well in Playboy Roy, who made it to the championship and even gave a run in the championship. So nothing to be ashamed of, just unfortunate timing, running into a really hot team. Um... But going into what I said they would be, I did rank them, if I'm not mistaken, at second or third. third. So I'm a little off. They ended up coming overall in second. Um, Hitting-wise, I said their top hitters would be Jose Ramirez. Yes. And then Lindor and Rendon. Dead wrong. Um, Rendon didn't even... He could not stay healthy. That was his biggest issue. I would easily say the next best was Mitch Haniger, although he was a pickup, he wasn't drafted, there's no way I was going to foresee that particularly. But Mitch Haniger would be the next best. And then I'd say, honestly, JD. I would say JD, just because he was on the team all year and so consistently uh, just putting up good stats. Um, and what I wrote, with the middle infield being a slight question mark, another strong group emerges in the hitting categories. Speed depends on Lindor and Ramirez. I didn't think they'd be good in stolen bases, and they weren't. So, not a crazy surprise there. On top of that, batting average could be an issue as uh, five hitters hit under 230 last season in the 60 game. I ended up being right about that as well. Like I said, ninth in both stone bases and average. So, that was at least correct. This team is rated high for a reason, though, uh, because the 60 game uh, sample size is too small. I did think there was a chance that I could be wrong. So might, maybe some guys will steal some bags. Some guys will hit for better averages because. If you're in a slump in the 60 game, hard to bring your average back, whereas in a full 162, you can. Still ended up being right, unfortunately, for fear boners. If Ramirez can even slightly produce his 2020 sets, which he definitely did, and the others can contribute, to, this team can thrive, i.e. Josh Bell, Joey Gallo, Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung did not pan out. Injury and then just batted really awful. Uh, Josh Bell was, like I said in last week's one, with my team, off and on. Both our teams as a like sub in first baseman, so I wouldn't say fully panned out, but he did all right. Uh, and then Joey Gallo, I don't know what to say fantasy wise. He almost hit forty homers. He can't be that bad, but he hit one ninety nine. Um, didn't drive into crazy amount of runs. Hundred seventy five RBIs um, is not top tier on even his own team, and he wasn't even like a top RBI team. Um, Ninety runs is not bad, but it's like two categories, so I wouldn't say. Yeah, I guess you could say he, he didn't thrive, but he panned out. I don't know. Uh, this team will have hitting stats right with or above the rest. Love Mancini pick. So, I thought that the runs, homers, RBIs would be middle tier, if not better. It ended up being, if anything, middle tier, slightly lower. 
more just straight middle tier. So that was close. Uh, top pitchers had said Luis Castillo. Um, I would probably say no, even with his late, late season heroics. Um, I would still say no. It's definitely, obviously, Wheeler first. And then I had Liam Hendricks on there. I definitely would consider Liam Hendricks one of the top players with a .73 whip. Um, that's just awesome. And then I had Kenta Maeda. That was just injury issues and then so many issues with Kenta. So it definitely wasn't him. I would probably say Adam Wainwright or Alcantara. One of those two. Um, this is definitely a good pitching staff. Do not get it twisted. Lots of depth, depth and good bets on closers make this team up there with most. I just struggle with boners and that. <laughs> boners. Having an elite ace. Uh, ended up being something wrong because Wheeler turned into one. Um, to lean on when your team needs a big outing. We have been waiting for it for a while, so maybe it happens. But if Castillo takes that next step, being top 10, the staff will thrive. And not only starting pitching, but also relief pitching. Top 5 in most pitching stats. I, I was definitely right about the pitching. If anything, I underrated it. Because Luis Castillo, with his late season comeback, did not end up being the ace they were looking for. Although he was for them for you know that month or a little more. It was more Wheeler. Um, so I just didn't foresee that coming. But Fear Bonus team was awesome. Super successful. Won a good amount. It's just um, fell short this year in the playoffs and ended up conceding it to a five seed. Um, that was just super hot. And that'll happen from time to time. But now we talk about, you know what, let's just say it now. Our champion, New York Yankees, Dane Menzel. Wins it again. Um, awesome season. Super strong. I gave him Vlad. My bad. Sorry about that. But regardless, even without Vlad, he had Salvi, who was like the top home run hitter from the catcher position, which is just such a rarity. He had a stack team regardless. I don't think Vlad full on pushed him over the edge. But maybe it did. And if it did, I'm sorry. Um, regardless, though, they were uh, one th- 125... 88 and 7, which is awesome. Um, way over most of the people in the league. And on top of that, they were 8th in pickups. Um, just the, the last team um, over uh, the two Saunders brothers. Uh, if you look at the at it now, he looks over like teams like KFC and stuff, but it's actually just because he c- continued to pick people up in the playoffs. I'm going based off of where the pickups were at at the end of the season and not at the end of the playoffs. Um, so he was eighth. Um, and super successful again and won it all. So to describe like the overall um, season, a terribly strong beginning. One out the whole first month. Um, 8-2-6-4-5-4-1-6-4. Some of those wins were not huge, but won every single matchup and won that first Manager of the Month award. Um, actually ended up winning three, uh, which is pretty nuts. Actually, you know what? They deserve this. Three is huge, so I'm going to give them that. Um... Definitely the best team all, most of the year. There were times where you might say this team or that team was a little bit better, but for the most part, they were probably just overall the team that was the most consistently very good. And uh, the thing with that also was that their win streaks that they had um, also aligned within months. Um, their three like base win streaks 
where they won every game in those win streaks, like four to five games, were literally perfectly set in months. And what I mean by that is it won them, for the most part, excuse me, straight up um, manager of the months. Because except uh, excluding August, where he did have a 4-5-1 to start the month, he then had an 8-2 and a 10-0 against Vibrators. Um, which then completely canceled out that negative of the loss, and then a 6-4. So won every match of that month except for a small loss. And then the July match of the month, because he went back-to-back matches of the month, July to August, he won every match up there with a 6-4-8-2-6-4-8-1-1. So... He had some losses mixed in. It doesn't sound like it right now. I swear he does if you look. But there was overall one, two, three, four, five losses on the whole season, including playoffs, because obviously he won out the playoffs, or at least won the tie out the playoffs, because he's the champion. So five losses all year mixed in with, I think, just one overall tie. All the rest are wins. That's a dominant team. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts. That's why they were... Top three, if not number one, at the power rankings week by week. Um, so no extreme surprise there. They've always been a good player. They just showed it even more. Um, and talking about their prominent players, you can talk about a lot. Um, Vlad Guerrero, stupid idiot Josh, traded him for Chris Paddock, who ended up being really mostly nothing, you could say. And I got Chris Bryant out of it, who I drafted. I saw it as a two-for-one trade because I wanted Chris Bryant. Liked his value where he was and my pitching looked short. It's just if Paddock did help my pitching, and then I got Chris Bryant, it might not have been that bad, but Paddock not helping, uh, and then having just pretty much a straight trade of Bryant for Vlad, I think we all understand that's not a good trade. But Vlad Guerrero, over 120 runs, over 110 RBIs, almost 50 homers, and a 311 average. Uh, it's hard to say whether he's the best or Perez is the back best just because, a hundred. listen, 120 RBIs, 90 runs, 48 homers, and a 270 average from the catching position, no one else has that. So, like, even if he didn't have Vlad, who was super amazing, but let's say he doesn't have me as more of an average first baseman, the production that this team is getting in the hitting category because of Perez, in comparison to what other teams are getting from their catching category, is bonkers. It's just completely flipped. No one did anything like that. And that's the nice part about Salvi. He can literally play, like, 162. When he's not catching, he can DH, no problem. He's just, like, super... When he can stay healthy from injury, he'll play any day. He's got, like... His knees must be godlike. I I don't even know. But he's awesome. Super amazing season from him super fun to watch uh also playing for a team that's not super great it's great to see they got an awesome performance like that tay oscar wow a lot of people missed on him (laughs) they let him slip in the draft a good amount almost to a hundredth and he ended up super helping skankies with over 115 rbis a 300 average average also being a prominent part of toronto's lineup 32 homers Judge, who they slipped away from me, I really was looking for him, had 90-100 season pretty much, 39 homers, 290 average. So I guess what I'm getting to is this team had, hitting category-wise, everything. Trey Turner was amazing too, 330 average, over 110 runs, 28 homers, 32 stone bases. They had everything. 
any hitting category is winnable any week. Fifth in stolen bases is their worst, and that's still pretty great. That's top part of the league with first in RBIs, homers, and average, all of them, uh, and third in runs. Skanky's team is just purely dominant in the hitting category. And then their pitching surprised me. I don't know how many other people it surprised, but it surprised me on how good it was. I thought there was chances, you know, at times, like, that the pitching could be a bit volatile. Wrong. Corbin Burns? Wrong. And I'll just admit it. I did not, just because all he had shown in his career to this point at high-level play was the 60-game season, I wasn't positive it was happening again. Wrong. Under one whip. 2-4 ERA. Only 11 wins. For some reason, Milwaukee's pitchers did not get a whole lot of wins, maybe because their pitchers got taken out early sometimes. Uh, same thing with Woodruff. Uh, but Corbin Burns had over uh, 230 strikeouts. Uh, Nola had at least over 100, uh, 220 strikeouts with a bad season uh, with a 4-6 ERA. Not the best. He drafted him to be the ace. Ended up getting an ace out of Burns, so it's okay. Max Fried had a decent year. Uh, you look at Kenley. Kenley's saves that he got at the end of the season won him the championship. You can really make that argument. Um, huge for him there. Uh, Pablo Lopez, super awesome value pick. Got injured a few, a couple times there. That really stinks, but when he was there playing for them, awesome. Chris Sale was a good pickup for uh, Fear Boners. They traded for Gallon, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, and got rid of Wander Franco. Now, his team had the hitting. Uh, you, you could probably say you could put Wander in at utility. That's true. Um... But they had Javi and Turner, so I get giving up Wander to try and get a better pitcher in Gallon. But Gallon was not really anything to write home about. Although at the end of the season, he really helped in the in the, specifically in the championship. So who's to say you know things would have turned out this way or that way, uh, depending on uh, if they got him or not. So you're not going to question any problems, any, anything you did over the season if you won the championship. So regardless, doesn't matter. Jordan Montgomery they had at the end of the season. Luis Garcia was a nice player for them. McCullers, who they also traded for, was a fantastic pitcher. Gave up Bellinger for Voight, Tyler Rogers, and um, and McCullers. You would think in that trade, like, uh, Rogers could have had the job, but he didn't get it. So Rogers was a bust in that trade. Luke Voigt was a bust in that trade from injury and also just Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo getting that job kind of killed Voight's value. McCullers, for Bellinger, if that had been straight up, it's a trade rate to Iron Dome who did the trade. Because Bellinger was awful. I don't know how awful. I don't know how that's possible he did that bad, but he did. Uh, so he ended up getting the better trade uh, just because of McCullers. McCullers ended up doing really well. 185 strikeouts, 13 wins, 3-year array. Awesome. They also traded for Frankie Montes for me. For David Peralta, because I was starving for uh, some outfield help. Boy, was I wrong. I was always afraid that Montes was going to get blown up this week or that week. He did have volatile times. But since he went to the Skankies, not bad at all. Over 200Ks, 13 wins as well. So they ended up saving their pitching a lot with adding on good depth with guys like Chris Sale in the trade. Gallon at times, McCullers, Montes. Ended up being like great guys for them in in depth and then mixed that with the guys they already had ended up top five in the array and whip top five in k's and wins which is great because they weren't even a crazy pickup team uh and then on top of that too 
Seventh in saves, not awful considering they really only had one consistent closer. Um, and Kenley Jansen almost got 40. If you're going to have a uh, closer, get the Dodgers closer. Makes sense. So, in comparison to what they, uh, what I said they would be, I said they're A- minus in hitting. Trey Turner being their best hitter. Cody Bellinger, dead wrong. And Judge, you might be able to keep, keep Judge and Turner. No, you can't keep both because there's only top three. So, it's Salvi and Vlad for sure. And then uh, I guess you can you can probably do Trey just because the stolen base is so vol- uh, huge for this team um, with an amazing average. Um, except for the bottom of the outfield, this group has lots of strengths. They fixed that real quick with uh, pickups with like Brian Reynolds and Duvall ended up having a great season. So he's fine there. Not only are they powerful, but they also have real speed, largely coming from Turner. Top five in st- steals, so it was mostly just him and Javi, but regardless. Only injury concern is Judge, which is a big one. Judge stayed healthy, no issue there. But if he stays healthy and can be an elite bat, that's huge. He will be an elite bat, and he was. Now to find out which DH to play. At the time, he had Soler and Vermeil. Vermeil was the pick, and he also got outfield eligibility, so that was big. I would be ripping my hair out if I didn't start and one hit one on my bench. Overall, hard to find a group. Much wrong with this group. Yep. Best hitting group. Fair enough. Pitching, I said top pitchers would be Nola. Probably no. Corbin Burns and Kenley. You can leave Corbin and Kenley on there. But I'd say probably add in... Uh, McCullers? Or Montes, really. I, I was Probably Montes because he had him for longer. Um, Skanky's pitching staff has several question marks. Nola's great but can be inconsistent. Definitely was. Regardless... I'm not worried about him as the five other starting pitchers coming off of strong 60 games. They're mostly unproven. I'm not knocking the picks. I'm just saying a full season. I have a hard time trusting them for sure. Like I said, wrong. Freed ended up having a pretty good year. Corbin ended up having a pretty good year. Lopez had a pretty good year. I'm not sure who else I was talking about at that time, but those three I'm pretty sure I was talking about all did great. So I was wrong. If I'm right and a few fall off, this pitching staff becomes very thin. We'll need great production from closers to help stabilize. Nope, it did pretty well. I don't think they're complaining. So, definitely wrong with the pitching, but we're right on the hitting, and I ranked them overall fifth. thought they'd be middle of the league more, and that their pitching might give them some issues. I was wrong. They fixed all their stuff through trades and ended up being the top team in the league. Um, oh. Top team in the league. Sorry, Lucas, I officially have to rip it from you. All hail the king. And now, manager of the month <laughs> for September. As the season comes to a close, this team will decide something that I'll make up. Hmm? Yes. I still have to come up with two things for Skankies for their July and August wins. Fear Boners still needs to change people's team names, which he never did. Uh, but he could do it for the star this next season coming up. And try and make him, like, you know, make sense at least, but they can still be funny. And then my May manager of the month, it was for hazing me. No one got, you know what? There you go, skankies. That's what you get. You get to haze me for a week. Since I won that one, uh, and I can't haze myself, or I could, but that's stupid. Uh, that's your July. I still got to come up with an August one for you, and we will for sure. But, 
bear with me on that. And same with uh, the September winner. Um, bear with me as well. Just to go in it quick, talk about Real Crooks has already been so long. And this is like the last that we'll be doing of this. I love you all so much. And I really hope that you like what I do and that you have fun with it. And um, the only teams that are going to even have a shot, and this will be the same every year. So no one complain, I hope, are the teams that win um, make the playoffs. Just because September dips into the playoffs, if you're playing games that aren't meaningful, maybe the other person doesn't pay attention, or and you pay attention just so you can try and win manager of the month, or something weird like that happens. I'm just canceling it out altogether. So unfortunately, Pete, Ethan Sheckman, Luke, and Tots, uh, Brett, have no shot for manager of the month this month. Sorry about that. Um, but the other six do. Now, the one who's least deserving is me. Um, if you only played three matchups out of the four in September, that's okay. I'm still doing the winning percentage based off the three matchups. Um, so you're okay there. Um, so I am least deserving. Uh, nine, 20, and one record over three matchups. Pretty abysmal. No. Tyler Vibrators was 15 and 15 out of 500 record. Not good enough for manager of the month, but did okay. Then you got Fear Boners, who went 16, 12, and 2. Um, not good enough for a Magic of the Month, but had a pretty good time there. Dane, 18, 11, and 1. Pretty damn good. Um, in contention, but I ended up not giving him the Magic of the Month. He's the champion. Already won it three times. Not that I'm saying that I'm giving it to someone else because of that. I'm just saying that other teams did better. And it's too easy. It's a cop-out for me to give it to the champion for September. When other teams I do think performed technically better over that time. And that being Playboy Roy and Pool Pals. Um, and here's what it came down to. Pool Pals had a 26-12-2 record. Whereas Roy had a 27-12-1. So actually a better record for Roy by a half a game. When it's that close, I always go down to more specific reasons for giving the award to one person or the other. And in this point, normally you'd maybe look at it and say, well, you know, Ethan lost two matchups. 4-6, 4-5-1. And Roy didn't lose any matchups in all of September. Going 6-4, 6-4, 8-2, and 7-2-1. But Ethan, DeSimone, Pool Pals, did have a 10-0. Problem is, that 10-0 was more from the other team's terrible side. Yes, I know it's record, it's record, and it shouldn't matter fully. But when I'm looking at the specifics, my team, who he 10-0'd in the playoffs for that first round, it was one of the worst matchups we've seen all year from both sides, from hitting and pitching. There's times where the show had really bad weeks, but at least it's pitching and I had like some county numbers or stuff. My team did nothing. And I looked at how Playboy would have done against me as well. He also would have 10-0'd me. So not surprising that I was 10-0'd. Uh, even though it does sound surprising because 10-0 is just like the worst thing that can happen. So I'm giving it to Playboy. Giving it to Playboy Roy because of the fact that he did have a slightly better record with a 68.75 winning percentage to a 67. So close in winning percentage. And he just never lost. There's no losing. Whereas uh, Pool Pals did lose twice. Um, obviously the one in the playoffs where he barely lost. Great matchup though. Did super well against the champion. Barely lost 
and then uh, 4-6 at the end of the season, his last matchup. Um, so yeah, going with uh, Playboy Roy. I'll figure out what he gets for that. At the very re- least, you know he gets on that Match of the Month uh, plaque that we're going to try and do every year. His name will be on there now. And so that makes all the matches of the Month. Um, the New York Skankies winning three for April, July, August. Fear bonus for June. Garbage for May. And now, Playboy Roy, or Playoff Roy now, um, September. So that's it. As a wrap-up on all of it. We will not be doing this again until March. Crazy. It was a fun season. Hope everyone had a good time. I'll try to get monies out to everyone as quick as possible. Everyone isn't really just the Skanky's Dane. And, uh, yeah. To next year. Susan Walpin out.